The issue we were learning about last week that we're continuing tonight is the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Achad. That the Gemara says that what's the origin of the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael? That when Yankel Avinu was saying goodbye to his children and he wanted to reveal to them when the cats, when Mashiach is going to come and the Shechina departed. So Yankel suspected that perhaps one of his children is not in order, things are not good. This is why uh, the Shechina left. As it turned out, the reason the Shechina left is because you're not supposed to reveal when Mashiach is coming. So Yankel Avinu turns to his children, he's laying on his bed, in his deathbed, and he's, he wants to tell them something, and all of a sudden the Shechina departs, and he gets very, very concerned, very distraught, and he says to his sons, are you all the way you appear? Is any one of you duplicitous? Anybody here? Two-faced? Maybe some of you have thought of it as other and so forth. So they said to him, Shema Yisrael Avinu. Listen, Yisrael, our father, Adesham Alakein Adesham Achad. This is what it says in Yimad. So the source of the Pesach Shema Yisrael was actually said by the Shvatim to Yisrael Avinu. And the Medrash added to this, that Tafka Yankav Avinu was Eichad, that we should say his name in Shema Yisrael, as opposed to Shema B'nai Avram, Shema B'nai Yitzchak, and Shema B'nai Yankiv, because Yisrael was the patriarch who was extreme more than the others apparently, who was very concerned with the chinuch of his children. He wanted his old children to be tzaddikim, and they in fact were. And this is why Yankav Avinu was Eichad, and his name is mentioned in the Shema Yisrael. I also mentioned to you last week, if you recall, that there's Rabbeinu B'chaya that writes that the word Yisrael is a reference to Yankiv and to Yitzchak and to Avraham. In other words, Avraham Avinu's name was Avraham, Yitzchak Avinu's name was Yitzchak, Yankiv Avinu's name was Yankiv, and all three of them are called Yisrael. There is such a Rabbeinu B'chaya. But here the Medrash said, no, no, Yisrael was Eichad, and his name should be mentioned in the Shema because of his Mesidus Nefesh that his children should all be from. And then we got into the discussion proper. What is the meaning of Hashem Alakein Hashem Achad? God who is our God. The God is one. Why is there the duplicity? So as she said, because now He's our God. And when Mashiach comes, He's going to be the God of, of the whole world. The Ebenezer gave us some philosophy about precise names and imprecise names. Thank you very much. We had a very interesting point from the Ramban. I'm just summarizing last week's class, if you haven't noticed. The Ramban said that normally Moshe Rabbeinu would say Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikecha or Hashem Aleikechem. Why did he say Hashem Aleikeinu? So it's interpreted by the Mephashim of the Ramban because Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to tell the Jewish people that when it comes to the Abish, they were all equal. Moshe Rabbeinu and the rest of Pal Yisrael are all exactly the same. Then we discussed the Sipurnu, who said that Shema means, Shema Loshen Avonah, Shema means to meditate and to understand that Hashem is not just the creator of the world and He's off someplace else, but Hashem is involved in the world. And even though it seems like there are Elakim, there are other forces that seem to govern the world, Hashem Aleikeinu, our God, is Hashem Achor, is the only one with real power, and only He should we dive into. And also we had the tour who said, Hashem Aleikeinu, Hashem goes into three of us, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yankin. This is a 4 minute and 33 second recapitulation of last week's hour and 4 minutes and 33 seconds. 
We're going to now continue and read a Rambam. Okay, the Rambam is in the stack that I handed you on page two. Okay, on page two. As it'll turn out, you're gonna see this in a moment, we're gonna have an interesting difference between the Rambam and the Ramban, between Maimonides and Nachmanides. The issue at hand is going to be, is Shema Yisrael a separate mitzvah? Pasha's Vaschanon, last week's Pasha, right? The Kiyas HaTel that we had yesterday in show, we read the Ten Commandments. God Almighty introduces Himself to the Jewish people, and He says, I am your God that took you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, right? That's a Pasha in last week's Pasha. A few psukim later it says, Shema Yisrael, listen and pay attention and think about a Jew. God is one. So Nachmanides, Ramban, holds that this is one mitzvah. And that Shema Yisrael is simply explaining Anoichi. In the Ten Commandments it says, So the Pasuk is explaining what is the meaning of This is what says in Ramban. Ramban however holds, that there are two separate mitzvahs. And right now we're going to begin to read a Rambam. Okay, let me say what I just said in other words, okay? There are two commandments that we have in the Torah that relate to Hashem. And they're both in Pashas Vashchanan. The first is, the first of the Ten Commandments, the first one of the Asadah Sadibris is to believe in Hashem. And the second one is our Pasuk Shema Yisrael Hashem Alakein Hashem Echad. And we will now embark on a study of what is the difference between these two mitzvahs, okay? So if you have page two, there's an arrow at the bottom of the page near a seven, and I'm going to read Rambam. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Quote, this is the first words of the whole Sefer Rambam. Yuseida Yuseida is the foundation of all foundations. Vamuda Chochmas and the pillar of all wisdom is Leida to know. There is a first cause. A first cause means the world did not happen by itself. Nor is the world a world begotting a world, begotting a world, begotting a world ad infinitum. There's a beginning. Right? There's a start. And this start doesn't have a start. The start always was. That's the A first cause. The translation of the first cause is that the first cause does not have a cause. It is an Eivishter that was not created. And he gives reality to all that is real. Now, before we continue because of page confusions, everybody understands the first words of this Rambam. Yisayda Yisaydez, Vamuda Chochmiz, the foundation of all foundations and the pillar of all wisdom is Leida. To know that there is a first cause. This is a very important word. Because all of the Jewish theologians argue, you cannot command a person to believe. It doesn't make any common sense. Tell a person to believe. He says, I don't believe you. <laughs> right? If you come to a person and say, believe in God. And you say, okay, that means you believe in God who commanded you to believe in God. Therefore, emuna, the notion of belief, faith in God cannot be a mitzvah. It has to be a pre-mitzvah. Or as we like to call it for reasons we're not getting into at the moment, 
It's called a super mitzvah. It's higher than the mitzvahs. There is no mitzvah to believe in God. Not that it's not important. It's all important. It's the core, it's the essence of Yiddishkeit. So the Rambam holds that the first mitzvah is not to believe in God. But Leida, Hashem commanded us to understand, to learn about Hashem and understand to the best of our limited abilities, which is very limited, about Hashem and what it means that there is a creator. So the first mitzvah is Leida to know Hashem there's a first cause. creates all that exists. And everything that exists. Mishamayim from the heavens. Now turn to page 7. Okay. Va'aretz and the earth. Umashabinayim, what's in between? Lainim tzu, have no existence. Allah only may amit the from the truth of Hashem's existence. It's a mitzvah to study and understand what it means that Hashem created the world. And our reality is because of Him. If a person is going to entertain the thought that that Hashem does not exist, or Hashem is not an existential existence, nothing else can have real existence. What this means, it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you. The secret of the Rebbe. Alternatively, if it's going to enter your mind, nothing exists besides for Hashem. Hashem will continue to exist. Hashem is not going to disappear if creation doesn't exist. In other words, it's one way. We need Him and He doesn't need us. To say that in fancier words, He's our Creator. But He's not a Creator. You understand? He's our, He made us. But He is not a creator. Meaning to say, that if He doesn't make anything, He doesn't disappear. Because His existence does not need us. We need Him. And therefore, Hashem is called Matzerishim, the first cause. He makes everything else exist. He gives whatever reality we have, He gives us. If, we, if He doesn't exist, we cannot exist. But if we don't exist, he has no dependency upon us. Now this sounds like such a simple and obvious and logical statement, but it's actually rather, very, it's rather important, and in the world of people who think they're smart, this is a very big issue. The definition of Hashem is not that He made the world. The definition of Hashem is that He exists and nobody made Him. That's the definition. It's called Mitzvah He made Himself, which is a nice way of saying He always existed. That's all. The fact that He made us doesn't define Him, it's a byproduct of Him. And we continue, I'm four lines into this uh, first column at the bottom of page 7. All of us need Him. And He, blessed be He, He doesn't need us. He doesn't need any of us. Consequently, The truth of Hashem is different than our truth. What makes us true? That Hashem allows us to be true. What makes Hashem true? That He's true. There's a difference between being true because the Abishta says, I want you to be real, and being real because you're real. The Abishta is true not because we've given Him, we voted Him in, He's absolutely the truth. Husha Navi says in the Pasuk, but the Shem of the Kim Emes, God Almighty, is the God of Emes. 
He's the only truth. Nothing else is true like he is true. There's nothing besides for him as true as he is. In other words, the Rambam's translation of the words is that there is nothing else that exists that's true besides for him that's true like he is true. If I had four hours, we could talk about truth, but I don't have four hours. So we're going to keep reading. So the Rambam says the first mitzvah in Torah is a commandment to understand that we have a creator. And what it means that he's a creator. We need him, he doesn't need us. He's true and we're true if he wants us to. Continues the Rambam. This is the God of the world and the master of the earth. What is the significance? The God of the world, the master of the earth. What is the significance of these words? The significance of these words I already discussed with you last week is it's not a big deal to believe in God, the Creator. Many, most Goyim believe in God as the Creator. It is an entirely different thing to believe in God, the Master. The Master of the world. The difference between the Creator of the world and the Master of the world. The Creator of the world means He made it. And now He's busy making another world. Whatever it is, He's in retirement. The master of the world means he's involved right now. The Rambam says he's not just a god, but he's the master. Adain called the the master of the earth. The who? And he, he's involved. Hamaniga Galga. He makes the heavens rotate. He makes the sky spin. With a, with a continuity that has no end. With a power that has no limit. Because Because the universe is in perpetual motion. Top of the second column now. The EF Shish Yosabuli Masabavah cannot be in motion without somebody moving it. Hashem is making the heavens move. What? Hashem is making the heavens move and he move and he has neither a hand nor a body. Now what does this mean? What does the Rambam mean to say when Hashem is making everything happen, but he doesn't have hands, doesn't have a body? What does this mean? This is a very important point to understand. And that is, and that is, there's a physical law that says, and this physical law actually is written in Sifri Machshava in Jewish theology hundreds of years before Newton. One of the laws of motion says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. When two physical things meet, so there is mass times inertia, whatever, mass times Inertia. Inertia is mass time something else. I don't speak English so well. But the two bodies are moving at each other at a certain speed multiplied by a certain heaviness. And then when they hit each other, they bounce back. And the effect of each one on the opposite is precisely inverse to the opposite effect on itself. When two things bang into each other, the impact is equal, each one touches and affects the other in an inverse way. That's, it's just a physical law. In the Lashon of Chachmei HaMachshava, in Jewish theology this is called, Kol What that means? I cannot make you move unless I'm moving. That's the, the Newtonian law written uh, 600, 800 years ago. Kol If I am making something else move, I must be in motion. Something that is stationary cannot affect motion in something else. It's a physical law. 
The Eibishter is the exception to this rule. The Eibishter creates the world. Right? The Eibishter creates the world. He keeps the world in perpetual motion. But he has no hand and he has no body. What does that mean? He has no hand and he has no body. It means that the Eibishter makes everything happen. But what's happening in the world is not happening to him. Hashem makes the whole creation happen. But the creation does not have an equal and opposite effect on him. He pushes the world. The world isn't pushing him back. He energizes the creation. The creation is not having an inverse influence on him. It's one way, which is physically impossible. Right? In the physical world, it's impossible for two things to meet and one to affect the second without the second affecting the first. The Abishter governs his world without a hand and without a body. He affects us and the world doesn't affect him. This is called yesh It's called magic. There's no intimacy, there's no closeness, there's no relativism, there's no erech between the body and the individual, between the creator and the creation. So there's a lot of contradictions here. On the one hand, Hashem is adoin kolodet, he's involved, he's engaged in the world. And on the other hand, the nature of his involvement and engagement in the world is such that he affects the world and the world has zero effect on him. And we're going to continue to read the Rambam. Okay, now second line from the top of the second column at the bottom of page 7. It says, Rambam v'yediyaz dovazer mitfas haseh To know that, to, to understand Hashem, not to believe in Hashem. To understand Hashem. To understand Hashem means to understand that He exists. To understand that there's no Hashem before Hashem. If there's a Hashem before Hashem, then Hashem is not Hashem. The translation of Hashem is He's the first cause. Nobody made Him. And that He is the reason we are. But we are not the reason He is. He doesn't disappear if we disappear. And His impact on the world is constant. And the world has zero impact on Him. He makes us exist. He keeps us in motion, and yet it's not affecting him inversely. Says Ramban that all of this is a mitzvah to say in the Torah. Shenemad. It says in the Ten Commandments. If anybody would like, you can come and sit here. Anoichi Hashem God Almighty commanded us. He introduces Himself to us, right? At Har Sinai, Hashem introduces Himself to Klal Yisrael. He says, "Hello, Jews. Anoichi. I'd like to introduce myself to you. I am God." <laughs> And I took you out of Egypt to get out of the house of bondage. And I want you to serve me. So the first mitzvah is for a Jew to acknowledge that there is an Hashem. And again, the mitzvah is not to believe. We all believe. The mitzvah is to try and understand that Rambam Paskins, and of course Hasidus Chabad, makes this one of the centerpieces of our philosophy. That's not enough to believe in Hashem. You have to try and understand. Now, if anybody entertains the idea, there's a second God. Besides for Hashem, he is violating a negative commandment. As it's written, you're not allowed to entertain the possibility of there being a second God. And he is denying the very core of Judaism. Believe in one God and trying to understand the truth of one as opposed to more than one, is ha'ikir, ha'godl, shahakal talibay, all of the Yiddishkeit leans on this principle. And if one has a problem with this principle, he's got a principle with the whole Yiddishkeit. Stop. This is the mitzvah of anoichi ha'shamalakecha ha'shetesicham eretz mitzvahim The first of the Ten Commandments is God introduces Himself to us 
says, hello, I'm God. I'd like you to get to know me. Study me. Try and understand. Now we continue. He is one. He isn't two. Nor is he not more than two. He is one. Now, the Rambam says is one Hashem and not two Hashems. Okay, that sounds pretty obvious. It, it frankly doesn't require a genius to figure out. But the Rambam explains, what do I mean that there is one Hashem? So he continues and he says as follows. Lai echad, ela echad, the nature of his unity is, the nature of his oneness is such that there is no oneness. Echad min ha'chadim and I'm talking about Elam. There is no concept of one in the world which compares to how he is one. And he explains. You wouldn't call him one in terms that he represents a certain category. Nor is he one like a body is one. Because how is a body one? A body is one A body has parts, right? There's a head, there's arms, there's feet. There's inside, there's outside, there's higher, there's lower, and so forth. The nature of His oneness is, the nature of Hashem's oneness is, nothing in the creation is one like He is. Okay? Okay, I'll keep reading. If God forbid we were to say that there's more than one, we would, we would have to say that what separates one elakah from a second elakah is a body. You say that there's two gods. It's a stupid postulation. So you would have to ask yourself the question, what's this? where does one end and the other one begins? You'd have to give them some kind of a body. Mipnei, turn the page. She'ein hanimnim hashovim bimtsiyosom nifradim zemizeh when you have two things that are exactly equal, they cannot be separated because of their minds and their souls if they're exactly equal. If there's two Hashems, each Hashem is perfect. Two perfects is two times the same thing. If you have two times the same thing, you have to say each one has a body. It says, We have a physical body. You have a limit. Everybody has a limit. Anything that has a limit to its size has a limit to its power. Hashem's power is infinite. It never finishes. He's constantly involved in the creation. And the nature of his involvement is, as we said before, he touches the world, the world does not touch him. Therefore, in whatever power the Abish uses in creating the world is not physical at all, or in any type of way, connected to some kind of a form. If he has no body, he doesn't have the body-like phenomena. What is the meaning of body-like phenomena? To be separate from something else. Therefore, there has to be only one Hashem. Now, 
I don't want to get too caught up in this. But the Rambam is giving us now a second mitzvah. The first mitzvah is to know that there is Hashem. And the first mitzvah includes to know that Hashem is one and not two. The second mitzvah is to know that this Hashem that exists is one. One means he has no body, he has no parts. He doesn't have a brain and a heart. He doesn't have a right side and a left side. He doesn't have a middle and a beginning and an end. Hashem is a point. He's an akud, he's a pintele. Every piece of the Eivishter is the whole Eivishter. And the whole Eivishter is in every piece of the Eivishter. There is no division. There's no detail in Hashem whatsoever. In, in, in more involved Svarim, they would say, you can't even say that Hashem is a chacham. You can't even say that Hashem is a chastan. Hashem is wise or kind. Because those are faculties. You can only say that since Hashem is everything, He doesn't lack chokhmah and He doesn't lack chesed. So the Rambam says, and let's finish the stricter that says the Rambam, This is the second commandment. What is the commandment? That we have a mitzvah to believe in Echad, in the oneness of Hashem. So the Rambam tells us, we have two mitzvahs. The first mitzvah we learn from Anoich Hashem from the Ten Commandments. And the second mitzvah we learn from Shema Yisrael, what's the difference? The difference is, the Anoich Hashem introduces the Eibishter to us. Shema Yisrael precludes, take away from the Eibishter any kind of complexity. And it indicates, it underscores absolute oneness, absolute unity. Hashem is absolutely plain and simple. I want to add another very important point to this discussion, which is also true in Rambam. Although the Rambam doesn't mention it here, he mentions it someplace else. When we say Hashem, the truth is we discussed it last week. When we say Hashem, Hashem, there's only one God, what we really mean that there's only one master. Right? Not there's one God as opposed to not two gods. There's one master as opposed to Two masters. Now what's the difference between saying one God or two gods or one master or two masters? The difference is, if you say one God or two gods, you're talking about creators. Is there one creator or two creators? Only one creator. One master as opposed to two masters is saying that who runs our life right now? Who's in charge of our life right now? One God. There are no competing forces. There's no competition for who's in charge. The Abish is the only Balabas. Hashem Echad means Hashem is one, He has nobody, He has nobody like parts. And it also means that everything that happens in His world, He does personally. Now you must understand that this is not so simple. Why not? Because, you know, in the ancient world, they used to believe in stars and constellations, but we got smarter. We believe in money, right? <laughs> uh, they used to believe in all kinds of forces. We don't believe in in the, the astrological signs and stuff like that. But we certainly believe in the laws of nature and the predictable patterns you know, that science is able to uh, uh, deduce from the creation and predict and say, listen, these are scientific facts that follow scientific laws that can be predicted 100% of the time. According to Taira Hashem Echad means that each time a natural event occurs, God did it. Hashem Alakin Hashem Echad doesn't only mean there's one God, one creator, there's one master. It looks like there are many masters. It looks to us, right? Who's my master? Who's my master? 
my boss, <laughs> right? If you would only pay me, then he'd be my boss, yeah. <laughs> right? My boss is my master. If I don't behave, I lose my job, and it's going to be terrible. And it's not a joke, it's not a joke, it's not funny at all, it's very serious, as we all know, right? But the emphasis is that the Abish that pays us, and the Abish that sustains us, and this is Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. So the Ramam says you have two mitzvahs. One is to understand Hashem, and the other is to understand the singular mastery of His creation, the, the, the singular nature of Hashem Himself, which is what He discusses here. And in a slightly different place, the Ramam discusses this point that I'm mentioning to you now, that He's the only master of the world. And I want you to know that without getting too involved, this may be the difference between the chiv of a frum goy and a yid. Frum goy have to believe in Hashem also. But the, it's arguable. Arguable means I don't want to get into it. That they have the midst of an Eich Hashem to understand Hashem. But Achtas Hashem, the idea that everything happens directly from Hashem and there's no laws of nature and there's no boss and there's no president, there's no vice president and so on. This guy has no chiv to believe. This may be, this may be the difference between the Amunah of Ayid and the Amunah of a guy who is following the Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai So this is the Rambam's commentary on Shema Yisrael. That is the second Mitzvah into it. Okay? Next. But it said Yismach Yisrael Be'osav. Yes. So what does it say in Tanya Yisrael Pedek Lamed Gimel? Take a look inside. Tichi Tanya. Tistakli Be'osav Pedek Lamed Gimel. When I don't have an answer, I quote a source. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm relying on the fact that no one's going to look it up. <laughs> I, I, I could have said Zoya Chelek Dalet too. No. Take a look at Tanya Safedik. Take a look at The next is Rabbeinu Bechaya. Rabbeinu Bechaya begins on page 9. Okay? Rabbeinu Bechaya is quite extensive, although I have to tell you he has an ability to be far more extensive than he's being here. We're not going to read all of the Rabbeinu Bechaya. We're going to jump around. I'm beginning on the right side of the page where there's an arrow and a number eight. Okay? We're reading Rabbeinu Bechaya. Shema Yisrael v'shem l'kena shamachot. The question is, why doesn't it say Shema Yisrael v'shem l'kena Right? Or at least say Hashem l'kena echad. Why did it say Shema Yisrael v'shem l'kena and then Hashem echad? Remember this discussion? And we had a variety of different terutsim. The tour says that it goes on Abraham, and it goes on Yitzchak, and it goes on Yankif. We may get back to this later on. There are many other explanations that we've already had. Rashi says, Hashem Elokeinu means now he's only our God. And Hashem Echad, when Mashiach comes, will be the God of the whole world. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says a very conventional thing. On the most elementary level, simplest level possibly imaginable. Maskehiskir, Shloisha Shemus. The fact that we have three names of Hashem, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, and then Echad. Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem. She'ilu Amar Hashem Echad. If we would say Shema Yisrael, Hezachai and Yid, listen, Jew, Hashem Echad, God is one. Everyone would say, of course, God is one, the one I believe in. Ha'ya Pischem Peli Yomez Ha'elam. Goyim could say She'al Yerah Son, Amar Kain. Whatever the guy believes in, yeah, yeah, there's one God, mine. Shehunikra Hashem Ladaitem. Their interpretation of what Hashem is. Malkein Hutzrach Leimer Alekena. The Hashem Alekena, our God. God as we believe in Him. Why? With such big egos, with such big smart people. It was given over to us from father to son, all the way back to Abraham Avinu. The way we were taught about the Abish, the Hashem Yisrael, the God of the Jewish people. Hashem Achad, that's the true God, and He's the only God. The Chain, 
Moreover, Ilu Amar Hashem Alekeinu Echad. It wouldn't say Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. It was simply that Hashem Alekeinu God, who was our God, is Echad. Hayepischein Peral Umeis Loimat. The Goyim would say, and it's true. It's true. Kelekei Yisrael Hu Levade Nikra Echad. God, the God of the Jewish people, is the only one who's called one. But Gamalekeinu Shanukeidem Hashem Hu Echad Kimoike. Their God is of one, the only God, and our God is the only God. Lekach says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, this is on the lowest level of Pshat. The God that is our God, Hashem is the only God for anybody. There is no other God. Not only is, are we referring to the God of the Jewish people, not only are we saying that the God of the Jewish people is the only God that the Jewish people have, there is no other God besides for the God that gave us the Tehidah Har Sinai, the God that Avraham Avinu discovered and he taught to the world. That's it. That's enough. This is the Ben B'chai Adar Okay? Now, at the bottom of page Reshayin Hei, the next page is an arrow. I'm showing this to you for purposes of contrast. Okay? For purposes of, of, of contrast. V'adarach HaMedrish. The Medrish says, Shema Yisroel, Hashem Alekein Hashem Echad. A Jewish person has to pay attention to the Eibish Tazachtos. Says that Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, based on the Medrash, thank you. His Kira Teira Posuk, the Teira mentions the Posuk Shema. Acharei Aseret Sadibris, after the Ten Commandments. L'lamdach to teach us, Shadibur Anoichi Hu Hayichud. That the commandment of Anoichi Hashem Alekecha is the commandment to believe in one God. This line and a half is the Ramban, it's the Nachmanides. The Nachmanides holds that we don't have two mitzvahs, we have one mitzvah. Rambam holds there's two separate mitzvahs. One is to study Hashem, and the second is to study the unity of Hashem. Ramban says they're one and the same. So this line and a half, if you look in the star at the bottom, you'll see that he's quoting Ramban, and there's a source for each opinion in the Chazal. Okay, that the Ramban holds that the first mitzvah in Taita is to know Hashem, but it includes both the knowledge of his existence as well as the knowledge of his unity. And Rambam says they're two separate mitzvahs. What's the difference? That's a great question, and I don't know the answer. Okay? And I mentioned this to you last week, so I'll say it quickly. The Ramban has a lot of very interesting... Again, I don't know how many of you have had the good fortune to read Chumash with Nefarshim. Believe me, it's not an easy task, and you need a lot of time and concentration. But the Ramban is an extremely original commentator. A lot of times you read him a Mephidish, and he's essentially a compiler. He collects from other sources. Ramban followed Rashi and followed Evan Ezra. So when Ramban came on the scene, there were two classic commentaries. Ramban is not more of the same. He has this unbelievable knack of finding another way to look at things. He's constantly disagreeing with Rashi. It's remarkable. And Ramban has these patterns, these these attitudes, these, so to speak, axioms. And one of the things Ramban says is that, he says that in Yisrael also, you have Ten Commandments, right? What happened after the Ten Commandments? Commentary. The Ramban holds at the end of Pashas Yisrael and the whole of Pashas Mishpatim is commentary on the Aseres Adibris. He holds the same thing in Voschanan. In the Pashas Voschanan, the Aseres Adibris are enumerated. He says, after the Ten Commandments, Moshe Rabbeinu Pashat explained them. 
So Ramban holds that Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad is the explanation of the mitzvah on Echad Hashem Elokein. While Rambam holds that the two distinct mitzvahs. You follow? Okay, now let's turn the page. Okay, we'll do it here. We'll go on off the continental shelf now. Okay, I, I could wait till later, might as well. Might as well get confused right here. Bottom of the page 10, at the right side you have an arrow. Now we're going to study Kabbalah, which is of course our favorite subject, because we're all experts, because no one knows what they're talking about, so we can might as well be experts. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar lived about seven to 800 years ago. He was an Ishan from the earlier sages. And we believe that the earlier sages had such a divine inspiration. Yeruch HaKadosh. Rabbeinu B'chayi wrote an exceptional work on Chumash. It's an unbelievably beautiful commentary. If you have to pick one, that's the one to pick. Because what he, he writes in his introduction, that I'm going to give a commentary on the Chumash, and each Pasik I'm going to explain on four levels. Pshat, Medrish, philosophy and Kabbalah it's very very inclusive he quotes from everybody from Rashi from Ebenezer from Ramban and from others he, he compiles every issue that he touches he explains it on four grades on four levels we're going to read now the Kabbalah of the Rebbein Nebuchadnezzar but I have to tell you you're going to know as much after we finish as we do before we start so we'll have to talk about it so let's let's get to it Let's explain the Pasuk Shema Yisrael Kabbalistically, mystically. Shema Yisrael. What does Shema Yisrael mean? Pay attention, Yid. Right? Shema doesn't mean hero. Doesn't mean listen with a stomachache. Right? Shema Yisrael means pay attention, concentrate, focus. Engage intellectually. Bend your ear and listen. Bepasuk Shema in this pasuk which teaches us Inyin Hayichod Hoamiti the true concept of the unity of God Hamakubul Bahamutsna which has been transmitted orally from generation to generation and is Mutsna it's secretive and hidden Eitzel Yehdi Ha'emes amongst the knowers of truth and what is that Besoid Yichod Eset Sviris. The mystical secret of the union of the ten Svidas. Shinis Chayavnu, we were commanded, Liyachid Eskulon. We don't only have a mitzvah to believe that God is one, we have a mitzvah to believe that the Svidas are one. Okay? Make them all into one. We can look at it from the top down. We can look at it from the bottom up. But in any, in any case, in addition to Shema Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad, meaning that Hashem is one, Kabbalah says we have to also teach that the Svidas are one. Okay? Umilas Shema. So now we retranslate the word Shema. What does Shema mean? Shema in the Philip Birbam translation of the Siddha means a hero, and it's been copied by everybody else. Shema means to pay attention, to listen, to concentrate, to study. He gives us a very novel translation of the word which Hasidus actually celebrates. 
You know what Shema means? Gather together, collect. Shema Yisrael, collect. Gather together. Shema Miloshem Chiba, the word Shema denotes to collect and to gather together. Ke'inyan, like we find in the Pasuk, Vayishama Shaul. Shaul was the first king of the Jews, and he mobilized the Jewish people to go to war. So he made an announcement that all the soldiers, all the volunteers, or all the draftees should come forward. The Hebrew word that is used to denote this mobilization is Vayashama. He made an announcement which gathered people. So the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar translates Shema, gather together. Shema Yisrael, collect Yisrael. Lishmeya Eizen Yishmeuli, also the idea of gathering together. Now, before we continue, this chat that Rabbeinu Bahaya brings, that the translation of the word Shema is to gather together, is brought in Hasidus. How does Hasidus translate Shema Yisrael? Hasidus translates Shema Yisrael in a very, very personal and sensitive way. And that is, there are some people somewhere, none of us of course know any of them, because we're too enlightened and too sophisticated, who suffer from a mental illness called scatter. Now they call it attention deficit disorder. What does scatter mean? They can't concentrate. They're in the middle of doing something, whoop, doing something else. It's called advertisement. It's called living in the big city. It's called turning the pages of a newspaper. It's called doing anything except closing your ears and closing your eyes and saying, quiet! Yeah. Scattered all over the place. A person who's scattered is not everywhere. He's nowhere. A yid comes to David's maybe Shema Yisrael. Before you come to God, let me hear that. Get yourself together. <laughs> the piece of you that's in the that's in the in, in Wall Street, bring them in. The piece of you that's was worrying about your children, bring them in. The piece of you that's having some kind of issue with your spouse, bring them in. The piece of you that's bachlal, bored, and depressed, bring him in. Collect, get, get yourself together. And when you're a whole mensch, then you'll connect. Hashem Hashem That's how Hasidus translates Shema. Gather yourself. But the Rabbeinu B'chayi translates, and it's a good translation, I hate to say it. For those people who may know somebody, who knows somebody who has scattered, you may share it with them and enlighten them. Because we don't really have use for this. But the Rabbeinu B'chayi says, Shema means to gather together the Esesvidus. And he says like this, Hashem, Hashem. The first Hashem is like Lecha Hashem. And Lecha Hashem, Right? You don't know what he's talking about? I don't even know what he's talking about. So that's wonderful, right? In Vayavarech David, in David, we say, L'cho Hashem HaGedula, remember? HaGedula, V'Agvura, V'Teferes, V'Netzah, V'Hedigdula means Chesed, Gevura means Gevura, Teferes means Teferes, Netzach means Nesach, Haid means Haid, and Kikoyal means Yeshayid, and says, L'cho Hashem HaMulach. So all the seven Midas are stated in that Pasuk. Where do you have the Chabad? So the Beit HaBachai says that the word L'cho, Lamed Chof, L'cho, Havaye goes on the Shalosh Hashanah, on Chabad. Okay? Elekeinu, the divine name Elekeinu, goes on Hagadullah v'Agvura, Chesed v'Agvura. Why? I don't know, okay? Hashem, the second Hashem, is Hateferes, is from Midas Hateferes, Atashim Abinyin, Til Malchus. Hashem includes Teferes, 
Netzach, Hoid, Yisoid, and Malchus. And some would say, because it's five. Then you have to make them all one. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of here. Believe me, the Rabbeinu B'chai knew what he's writing. And he's not oversimplifying. If, if there's a problem with Rabbeinu B'chai, it's in our interpretation. But basically what he does, is he says that in the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Malakein Hashem Achad, it toss, discusses not only the idea that Hashem is one, but it discusses also the idea that the Eivishter's Sfiris are one. And I want to explain this to you briefly, because it's a very important idea. It's a very, I think it's an important idea. And that is like this. Jewish theology, Jewish theology means the part of Yiddishkeit that talks about spiritual things, it's called in Hebrew, Machshev Asayadus, Jewish thought. Or Hashkaf Asayadus, Jewish theology. That's the right word, I'm sorry. Philosophy, theology. Is also called Choyvas Halavovis, right? The obligations of the heart. Matters that deal with theoretical stuff. This is the heart. The heart of a Jew has to be locked in to the correct Hashkaf, the right way to think and the right way to feel and so forth. So over the last thousand years, maybe 1,200 years, many, 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 many svarim have been written on Hashkafa, on Chavis Alavavis, on Machshavis Ayahadus, on Jewish theology. Hundreds, thousands of volumes. Each one tells you a unique way to serve Hashem, a unique way to appreciate Hashem, a unique way to connect to Hashem, and so forth and so on. Even though there are thousands of volumes, in general, they fall in the two categories. The non-Kabbalists and the Kabbalists. The background is, once upon a time, Jews did not ask questions. They were very smart, those who were smart, very studious, very scholarly, and they learned Torah, and they understood Torah better than we'll ever understand in a hundred lifetimes. Lahav, they learned other Chochmah also, they learned other areas of knowledge and science and philosophy and so forth. However, Anything that touched Hashem, they said, we don't go there. Anything that has to do with the Eivish, they didn't touch. And the attitude was that if it has to do with Hashem, you have to have blind faith. So for hundreds of years, you had people who were brilliant in Halacha and in Gemara and in so forth. And when it came to questions of how does the Eivish to look, they simply never entertained it. What happened was, in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, philosophy went through a resurgence. And people got very involved. I, I would say that to a great extent, the credit for this resurgence of philosophy goes to the Muslims. The Islamic faith appears in the 8th century, the 7th century, the 8th century. And they were into philosophy a lot. In those days, the Muslims were the sophisticated, they were the modern ones. And Europe was primitive. It was third world country, Germany, France, third world country. That's a fact. And people start to study philosophy. And you didn't study philosophy too. Jewish people were never told don't study. There was no such thing. Today you're told don't study. But in those days, if there was knowledge to be had, Jews studied it. They knew everything. And philosophy asks questions that Yiddishkeit never asked. It never asked, not because it doesn't have answers, but because you're supposed to have simple faith. And a lot of Jews got into trouble. Got into, Hashem have hands. Hashem have feet, it says in the Chumash, Hashem have moods, 
Can Hashem change his mind? Can Hashem feel bad? Can Hashem have regret? All of these things that we would call anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic means God is described like a man. Right? The Chumash and the Chazal are full of thousands and thousands of references to the Abish that, that make him sound almost human. And it created a big problem. And a lot of Jews lost their Amunah because they said, Hashem has hands and feet. Aristotle knew that that's impossible. So you didn't start to write Svarim. People like Rambam, like Rapsad Yagor, and many others wrote Sifri Machshav, Jewish theological works that came to answer these questions. And they introduced to Yiddishkeit this whole idea of trying to understand Hashem. Or to say it more accurately, to trying to understand what Hashem is not. Okay? And they came up, they had all kinds of good arguments. Their basic argument, of course, was, their basic argument was, Dibra Torah Keloshen Adam. This is an expression from the Gemara. Dibra Torah Keloshen Adam means Torah speaks in the language of man. When it says in the Chumash, Hashem raised his hand, Hashem doesn't have hands. That's foolish. He did an act that in the case of a person would be done by a hand, so the Chumash describes it as raising a hand. Hashem did an act that if a human being would do it, we would call it anger, so the Torah describes Hashem as angry. But has to show him to say that he has anger and moods and regret and so forth. And they, they pounded home, the G'deli Yisrael drove home the point of one, Hashem has no hands and Hashem has no feet and Hashem has no body, Hashem has no parts and Hashem has no mood. Hashem doesn't exist in time and so on and so forth. So after Jewish people went through this enormous this enormous rattle, enormous shake that came from philosophy, from a Goyesh source, that many Jews never lost their faith in the in the in the in the interim. The Gadel Yisrael wrote Svarim to explain philosophically, Hashem is absolutely one. You can't understand Hashem at all. Okay, problem solved, right? So as soon as the dust settles, along comes Kabbalah. What does Kabbalah do? Ten spheres. Now Kabbalah is tighter. Kabbalah comes from Harsina, comes from Meshe Rabbeinu. It was passed along through the Shimba Yechoi and written into the Zayat. And there was a thin trickle of a Kabbalah that existed from the beginning of time. So written to the wall. <laughs> we just finished solving this terrible, terrible problem that had to do with the idea of Hashem having hands and feet and parts. And we came to the conclusion that He's absolutely one. And any allusion in the Torah to this effect is only a marshal. It's an allegory. Hashem has parts. Ten spheres. Kabbalah says, you know why Hashem has ten names? Hashem is called Alakim, Hashem is called Kaila, Hashem is called Tzvakas. It corresponds to the ten spheres. Huge dilemma. Huge problem. Right? After they finally finished resolving this problem in philosophy, along comes Kabbalah and creates the problem all over again. And there were a lot of Jewish people who said, what did they say? Kabbalah is true, but I don't want to be involved. This is a famous tshuva, where one of the great Yashayim writes, Kabbalah is emes. I want to be a child. Don't confuse me with the facts. I hear it. I'm sure it's true that the ten names of God correspond to the ten spheres. I'll tell it, it, It's too much for me. I want to be a little kid. This is what happened. The Mkubalim said, you must study Kabbalah. Because if you don't study Kabbalah, you don't know the right kavanot, the right meditations. If you don't know the right meditations, Hashem Pasha not going to answer your prayer. And another, and of course, 
Life has been interesting, it is interesting, and will always be interesting. With this bit of background, let me now tell you what it is that Kabbalah adds, and you'll understand what the Rebbein Bechayi is saying and why it is so important. The difference between no Kabbalah and yes Kabbalah. Philosophy and Kabbalah is simple. In philosophy, there's two possibilities. You're God or you're not God. End of discussion. Or to say it more accurately, you, you're either not God or you're Abishu. There's no in between. There's a creator and there's a world. That's all. Hashem made everything. Nothing has any relationship with Him. Nothing is close to Him. Nothing phases Him. Nothing touches Him. Nothing matters to Him. Nothing bothers Him. The biggest question we have about Hashem is why He bothered with the creation. And really, it's very difficult to answer that question. It'll always be difficult to answer that question. In mysticism, in Kabbalah, they add one tiny little piece to this puzzle. And this tiny piece to this puzzle is extremely important. The piece to the puzzle that Kabbalah adds is called godliness. There's the Abishter, there's the Creator, there's the creation, there's the world, that's us. And in between there's the light of Hashem. Godliness, getlechkeit, godliness, the lights of Hashem. Who needs lights of Hashem? What's wrong with saying there's Hashem and there's a world where we have to have lights? There's a thousand and one answers to this question. You'll come to the, mon- to, the, to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday classes in the morning. You'll hear about it for three weeks. But in 15 minutes, we can't do it justice. There's many reasons why Kabbalah introduces us to the concept of godliness. Godliness is not Hashem. It's the light of Hashem. But on the other hand, godliness is not a creation. It's the light of Hashem. The light of Hashem means its entire reality is. If you could have a conversation with the light of Hashem, all the light of Hashem would say is, meet my boss, that's it. The light of Hashem has no self-identity. There's nothing to it. All it is is a reflection of Hashem. And I want to give you a, a, a compare and contrast. Philosophers talk about angels. Angels are creations. They're things. You're a thing, an angel is a thing. Okay, you're physical, angels are spiritual. You occupy physical time and space. Angels occupy spiritual time and space. But angels are limited like you. That's what the Gemara says. The angel could do a sin. And they take him out of the bed in Shemayla and they beat him up. That Matat did something not good. They gave him 60 lashes. We get 40 lashes, he got 60 lashes. And he got fiery lashes too. Okay. Angels are, pe- are things. They're not people, but they're creations. They're limited. When Hashem uses an angel to do something... Hashem sends Malach Mechal on a shlichus. Malach Mechal is not Hashem. Malach Mechal is not an expression of Hashem. He's a creation like you're a creation. Hashem says to Mechal, Mechal, right now I want you to do what I want. So it says in the Helikas Farim, that while Mechal is busy doing Mishlichus, while he's representing Hashem, he calls himself by Hashem's name. During the mission he's called God, because he loses his ego for God. But before the mission and after the mission, he's himself. The lights of the Abish, the Sphiris, are not angels, they're not creations, they are simply the lights of Hashem, they're the expressions of the Abish. So the Rabbeinu Bechayah says that according to Kabbalah, we have a mitzvah to, to understand and to analyze and to study one. Kabbalah says it's not enough to study and understand and analyze one, that God is one. We must understand how even though there are ten lights, those ten lights are one with the Eibishter. And those ten lights are one with one another. 
and chas v'sholem to study Kabbalah and to learn about the Svidas and come up with the idea that as if there's Rahman Latsan ten gods. You understand? Since Kabbalah talks about godliness, the light of Hashem, and there's ten lights, Chesed, Gevura, Choch, Mabina, and so forth, and the lights of Hashem are not angels that the Abishter created to do a mission. They're simply the light of the Abishter. The Ben says, the mitzvah of Shema Yisrael Hashem Alakein Hashem Echad is not only to declare and understand that Hashem is one, but to understand that the sweetest, the essence sweetest, number one, they're one with Hashem, and number two, they're one with each other. For example, I want you to know that half of Shara Yechad Vamuna talks about this point. Shara Yechad Vamuna chapters 8, 9, and 10, and a little bit in chapter 6 talk about this. Someone's going to say that's not half, it's a third, you're right, I can't count. Um, but the Shara Yechad Vamuna, there's a lengthy discussion at this very point. He says like this, Hashem has two lights. There's light of Hashem called Chesed that creates. There's light of Hashem called Gevura that hides. Believing that the ten sweetest are one is to say like this, that the power of Hashem that hides and the power of Hashem that reveals are one and the same. It's not two forces that are fighting with one another. There's a part of Hashem. The right hand of Hashem wants to reveal. The left hand of Hashem wants to hide. The light of Hashem of Chesed and the light of Hashem of Gevura are one and the same thing. And therefore... When we look at the world and we don't see the Eibishter, we're not see, seeing the concealment of the Eibishter, we're seeing the Eibishter. Because the world is an expression of the Eibishter. Okay, good night. Thank you. God bless you.